welcome to another bonus episode of Cinemaholics. They said it wouldn't be done. They said, no, no, no. The holidays are too close. There's no way John and Will are going to be back for a Christmas episode this this soon in the season. Well, you're right, because it's not just John and Will. Uh, first of all, I'm John Agroni. You know me. Will Ashen is here. Hey, Will. Hey, what's up? I'll tell you what's up. We got a special guest to talk yes, about do. a movie based on I Love Lucy called Being the Ricardos. Big movie, now on Amazon Prime and limited release. But Will Ashen, this is a person who you, you came to me, you know, knocking on my door, middle of the night, drunk, obviously. And you're <laughs> like, we need this person on the show. We, we cannot talk about Being the Ricardos without this person. You know them better than I do. So, so who is this? Sure, yeah. It's a good friend of mine and a frequent guest on my other podcast, St. Ogre Toads Ogre, and she is one of two people in charge of the new and exciting YouTube account called Silly Sickos. It's my good fan- friend, Anna Rigetti. Hey, Anna. Hey, Will. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on Cinemaholics. And Will, you are a friend, but I am your fan. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I'm very happy and... Uh, excited to be here and talk about being the ricardos with you today i said that exact same thing to will one time and (laughs) he didn't believe it he thought he said i was lying Hmm. um and it's great to have you here and yeah like one of the reasons is because we're talking about a movie that is covering i love lucy and i know i've I've been told through the grapevine you've watched a lot of episodes and you have a uh, particular interest in that 1950s series with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, why did you want to explore the show through your channel? What was your 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 mission statement there? So when my best friend and Silly Sicko's partner and other half, Maddie, were creating the channel, we had some ideas for different series. One where we talk about the Best Motion Picture nominations of 10 years ago. The other was diving, deep diving into I Love Lucy to try and find a certain line that was sort of an inside joke when we forged our friendship, which was, I swear, um... Desi Arnaz as Ricky Ricardo says either like you make me look like a Chiquita banana or you look like a Chiquita banana to Lucy and I I don't know why that line um really stuck with me and I thought it was so funny and I am on a mission to find whether or not that line is real and exists. And the way we are going about that is just watching every episode ever. And then we are also talking about it, talking about how well or not well the show has aged um, in terms of comedy, in terms of the cultural aspects and references in it, and um, the respectfulness towards other cultures, we'll say. And just in general, you know, it is a classic legendary show from an icon, actually, like from a few icons, you know, just powerhouse actors and comedians. So it's been a real journey and um, exciting thing so far. We've gotten through all of season one and we're currently on season two and we're going to keep going until we find this line or don't find it. And we watch all 193 episodes. But it was it wouldn't all be for nothing because how how can you not love I love Lucy? That's that's always been my question. I I have a question though about this line. Did you did you try to Google it or did you want to like organically be like, no, we don't want to hack the system? So I tried years ago before we had the channel to 
look it up or see look on forums and there's like an i love lucy reddit page and i did not want to uh, find it like that exactly when i when a number one like google search didn't turn up anything i didn't want to ask those experts that were gonna say oh it's season four episode 11 at 20 seconds into the third scene like no i just at a certain point i was like you know what why don't i just go through it all and actually find it organically because it's going to be such a sweet sweet victory um to have that moment of like i knew it or just be like holy crap i guess um i'm just insane and you're gonna be like jumping in the air like squidward when it happens exactly that freeze frame and all well, I know we have a lot of listeners from the I Love Lucy subreddit, I'm sure. So uh, please, please, res- please preserve the the victory that, that Anna seeks. That would be great. Yes, we that was established when we started the series. If you know what we're talking about, don't spoil it. Just come along for the ride, please. So, yeah, please preserve the <laughs> sanctity of the show. Good luck. I, I, I wish you I wish you nothing but the best in that endeavor. Um Fun and silly as it is, I think I think it matches the flavor of I Love Lucy, so that's good. But we're talking about a movie based on the show I Love Lucy, really really based on its two char- two title characters. I guess uh, we can say title characters because of things that happen in this movie. Um, I Love Lucy, the 1950s show. I think it started like 1951, 1952. I want to say right after the Korean War. I mean, this was you know one one of the defining shows of like the early television era this and dick van dyke we got wandavision earlier this year i know will you didn't get to wandavision i know you you were hotly anticipating it you were you were staring at the window at everybody <laughs> oh yeah you wanted to watch it so badly oh uh, geez yeah, uh, yeah. i mean i heard the beginning of it's pretty good and then i heard well, the beginning of it covers i love lucy and dick van dyke right and it's kind yes. of like a homaging that and this movie is kind of like a, a weak in the life of making a single episode of I Love Lucy. This was written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. This is his third time directing a film. First was Molly's Game, and then last year's Trial of the Chicago 7. I'm actually a little surprised we're getting another film from him this soon. I guess he, you know, this just is staying on it. But He got the book. He, he got, likes directing. Yeah, he li- yes. You know, he's he's not just a screenwriter anymore. And yeah. I guess we, we can talk about if that's good or bad news later. Uh, but this is a big cast. This, uh, I mean, obviously we have to talk about Nicole Kidman. She's here as Lucille Ball and Javier Bardem stars here as Desi Arnaz. And even though I said this is a week in the life of them making a single episode, everything can and will go wrong. You know, this this uh, kind of reminded me in some ways of like if they took a segment from that Steve Jobs movie, Jobs, uh, the Danny Boyle one, where, you know, they did three different like days in the life. This is just like a condensed version of that. But it also, it goes back in time, it goes forward in time. There's like a quasi-documentary thing they did where they cast actors as the real-life people. Because I believe they're just, wait, they, they, so most of them are not with they're us anymore. They're mostly deceased, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those three writers are dead as of now. Yeah, they've died. They've been dead for like the past 10 years, so. Okay. It would be hard yeah, to get yeah. them on the line. <laughs> right, right. So they cast other people and they, you know, they kind of, it's like giving this illusion. It kind of reminded me, not like the big short exactly where they're breaking the fourth wall, but I guess that's kind of 
you know, the, the style adjacent there. Uh, I mentioned, of course, this uh, hit limited theaters earlier this month, big awards push, and then it came out on Amazon Prime Video this past week. So a lot more people are checking it out. It's getting, I'd say, you know, an interesting response from people. I think the main thing I'm saying is, uh, you know, nice attempt, but too long. And also these, these characters are miscast, even though the performances are good. I want to start with our guest, Anna, and Anna, I know you're, you're quite familiar with I Love Lucy, obviously. Uh, so now that we kind of know that, you know, what, what were your expectations of for this movie? Like when you when you decided to watch it, were you dreading it? Or were you, you know, were you kind of like not sure what happened? So I actually made my way out to a little local single screen theater to watch this uh, the week it came out in those limited more limited release um, showings. And I was very excited because whenever we I watched the trailer for this, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect. And it was definitely not the movie that we got, but I wanted to see that more, uh, how do I say? Gritty is not the right word. I do not want to say gritty, but this was grounded. grounded. Yeah, I was going to say grounded, yeah. Perhaps it wasn't going to be a slapstick comedy because at first I was upset with the casting of Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. They announced this probably last year and I was even like, what were they? Who's doing this? What's going on? I thought on? it was a joke. I thought it was like, oh, I get it. It's a parody. I was, yeah, just very t taken aback because I was like, Deborah Messing is right there. She has already done. And I love Lucy like tribute on Will and Grace with um, mm -hmm. Eric McCormick. I believe that's his name. Um, so I was like, the obvious choice is Deborah Messing. What's going on? But it's it wasn't to play Lucy Ricardo. It was to play Lucille Ball. And I do think that Nicole um, did a very good job being the more, I don't want to say cutthroat, but serious, focused, driven, precise businesswoman and comedian that she was. And I was very impressed with her performance. And I thought that the makeup and things were maybe a little bit distracting, but that's also just Nicole Kidman's face now. So I couldn't really judge too harshly and be like, well, no, she didn't look like Lucille Ball. I think she looked as best as she could. No biopic is going to be absolutely perfect looking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like the whole time I was watching her, I was like, it's Moulin Rouge again. <laughs> Until they, they dressed her up as Lucille Ball. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of close. I wonder if that same thing would have happened with Deborah Messing, right? Because, uh, you know, she looks like Lucille Ball like when she dresses up as Lucille Paul, but then, or I, I, you know, Lucy, I mean, but then like, I don't know, there's so many other scenes in the movie to consider. I wonder if they took that into account. And then they were also like, but we also need like a big headline actor in order for this movie to make money because they think that that still works. But uh, what, do, what do you think, Will, about this, this casting decision? Um, I thought it was weird because for me, if I were to pick, like you said, like a big A-list actress to pit, play Lucio Ball, I probably would have picked Amy Adams. I don't know if she would have been better or worse, but I think she's better or more versatile at balancing the comedy and drama. And also she's a natural redhead. So I, and also she's, but Hey, know, Lucy wasn't a natural redhead. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also thought that Javier Bardem was kind of an odd choice as well for Ricky Ricardo or, um, 
uh, what's his real name? Ricky. Uh, um, it's Desi Arnaz. Desi Arnaz. Oh, sorry, Desi Arnaz. I apologize. It's okay. Um, but I felt watching the movie, it seemed like even though he, as you mentioned, was a bit miscast, I thought that Javier Bardem fit into the part of Desi Arnaz pretty well. Like his charisma, his just like sort of easy charm and playing this part while also balancing between, like you said, the comedy and drama uh, was more uh, accessible than I anticipated. And I, I was pretty impressed by his performance. I thought Nicole Kidman was fine. I thought she was better, as Anna mentioned, at the dramatic moments and the comedic ones, which I guess makes sense because when I think back on like Nicole Kidman comedies, I guess I think more of like dark comedies like um like the killing of the sacred deer like i know she was in like paddington but that was like she's kind of like the serious character the villain in a otherwise comedic film and the only other one i could compare this to was bewitched the Nora efron movie from uh 2005 and i i mean that one didn't turn out particularly great so i always thought as we mentioned that was kind of an odd choice and i think i heard somewhere that she was considering dropping out because of the backlash because of this um odd decision but aaron sork and convinced her to keep doing it um but yeah i mean otherwise i mean i don't think any of the, the cast members was like that was a natural fit but they weren't really trying to be either and i thought the supporting cast was i guess a little bit uh they were better at balancing that than i think the leads at least you didn't think she was funny in the prom oh i forgot she was in the prom. i totally forgot about the prom i'll be completely honest that's okay you're not the only one um i think it is interesting because like kind of where her career has sort of like shifted a bit since you know, I, I, I'm thinking of like some of her big performances. She does destroy her in 2018, and that's supposed to be her like, okay, Nicole Kidman is here. She's here to to win some awards. Let's go. Nobody watches to destroy her except for like a bunch of really exciting film critics in San Francisco named me. And then, like after that, what do we get with her? We get like Boy Erased. Where she has like supporting role. She has a very small role in Aquaman. She she's in Goldfinch. We didn't even talk about that on the show. I don't I don't did you even see Goldfinch, Will? I did not. Did you? I don't think anybody did, uh, okay. including the people who made it. And then Bombshell was like, okay, she's back. But even then she was still like she was third billing, right? To like Margot Roby. And so I think it's been a while since we've like had her be like, this is a Nicole Kidman. Like she's right there. Like the top billing person, the one with the most dialogue and, and a good amount of time. You say that, but like on TV, she's doing big little lies where she's great. Um, I didn't watch the big little lies. That's a big ensemble show, right? I guess, but like I remember that first season at least. Like people were like, "She's doing some of the best work on here" because she got like that the most is dramatic true. Role. She stands out. She stands yeah. out, and I mean, and it, she does it. You know, holding her own against like Reese Witherspoon and Shailene Woodley. But again, it's not like a true showcase for her as an as, as like a single actor. If that makes sense, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah no, that's fair. I get I get what you're saying. I, I think that she's a great actress. I think that she always has been. And I just I've I've always been confounded by her career to date. But you mentioned um, you did mention Javier Bardem as well. And th- this is definitely a, a different performance we've seen for Javier Bardem. It's kind of safe to say and most people probably know him from like Skyfall, No Country for Old Men. You know, he's kind of like very chewy, like villain roles. Uh I, I think am I, am I forgetting anything else? I know Dune, but you know he was uh, barely in that. Which Pirates of the Caribbean movie was he in? I think the most recent one yeah. that uh, everybody decided to forget happened. Sure, uh, Dead Man I, mean, I, I thought he was good in, the, in an otherwise not good film. He was also in Eat, Pray, Love, which I had to watch uh, this year for our I other totally series forgot. where we talk about oh, the yeah, Oscar I... nom. Well, 
that wasn't Oscar nominated, but we also were watching like just the most popular movies from that year. And so we watched Eat, Pray, Love and he was okay in that. He did a fine job in that for being like a guy who ran away from his problems to an island and then marries a divorcee. I don't know. We're not I mean, here to talk about Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I found it a little... Not odd, but um, interesting. And I know there was also some backlash about him being cast since he is Spanish and not Cuban. Uh, you know, Desi Arnaz is from Cuba. I can't imagine that there aren't Cuban actors that also could have, like, fit the bill and played um, Desi Arnaz. Yeah, we just had a Cuban well. actor play a Puerto Rican actor in West Side Story. And I'm just like, we're playing musical chairs. <laughs> right. Um no, I think um, I think uh, for me, I didn't care too much. I, I'm not Cuban. I'm Puerto Rican, but you know, just a couple islands away, I guess. But I mean, it happens all the time. Like we have, you know, like Antonio Banderas playing, you know, a Mexican man in the Mask of Zorro. It's just a lot of people just have like. I think even this movie like touches on the sort of like how like oh it's a Spanish name and then it's just like all the different like you know listing all different Spanish things like they're all the same or on the same page or something like that i was gonna say though uh probably my favorite javier bardem performance in recent time was probably mother i know not everybody is on that wavelength with that movie oh, yeah, but I agree. yeah he's so good in that yeah he's um, very good as darren aronofsky slash god slash <laughs> him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah himself too to some extent i, I assume uh, i know he's going to be in uh the little mermaid the next oh, disney yeah, right. or one of the next yeah. disney live action things he's going to be uh, i think triton the, the king oh is that so, right uh, i believe so yeah right. i think i think they're doing the movie like in the caribbean so they might be continuing that trend i don't know i don't actually know the details there so he's like but i have anyway. some experience in the caribbean playing uh what's his face in uh, yeah. pirates caribbean <laughs> a pirate you know dreadlord or whatever he was i mean seriously i'm actually starting to wonder did that movie actually happen and we imagined it um but anyway being the ricardos the movie itself i'm gonna come out and say this because i think Critics have come out and they said, no, no, thanks. This isn't this isn't good. This is not a good movie. Maybe some people have been a little bit more mixed. I'm going to say I liked this one. And much to Will's chagrin, I don't think I don't think Will's OK with me liking this movie, but that's fine. We can fight it out. I literally said, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> I, I read quote. in between the lines. Will. Sure. this movie may not be subtle, but you are. All right. Fair enough. I will say this movie is not subtle whatsoever. No, it's uh, not. <laughs> and uh, what, overall, though, what did, what did you think of this movie? Were, were you into it? Overall, I was into it. I agree. I think you stated a little bit ago it was entirely too long. And I think there were definitely some choices that were questionable by Aaron Sorkin as far as having the faux documentary aspects and also... The amount and the duration of the flashbacks, I they took away from my overall positive outlook of the movie. But in the end, the main story of the two, not conflicting, but um, uh, uh, pressure situation news stories that may or may not happen, um, may or may not come out, may or may not be revealed 
that main storyline that's also going through this week of production on I Love Lucy, I think was very strong and I overall enjoyed it. Will I revisit it in the future? I don't know how often I'll go back and watch, oh, like this uh, Javier Bardem movie, this Nicole Kidman movie. Um, I probably wouldn't choose being the Ricardos as one of the first choices to revisit, but overall I did... I think I think positively of it and I just have so I have the qualms about it being too long and some of the other choices and I also I have the more I don't want to say factual nitpicking but there were things that frustrated me because they literally are not how they went down in history that that were in this movie that that's what I have a problem with does that make sense totally yeah, I, I definitely want to get into that pretty soon. And uh, for me, it was more of like after the fact, because there, there were some things I was unsure about. I was like, wait, was that really, you know, is that really what happened there? Was the timing of that right? That doesn't seem right. But I, it didn't bother me as much until after the movie. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, there's a there's a line in this movie where yeah, Nicole Kidman is like, stop gaslighting me or something. And it's, you know, it, a very weird line, considering it comes off as a bit modern um and i know there's a whole debate about that if how modern it actually is but i was kind of thinking to myself i feel like aaron sorkin's gaslighting us i just saw i don't want to say backlash or anything about the yeah don't gaslight me line this morning was the first time i had seen anything but it's also as you said people more people are now just watching it they didn't all run out to their theaters uh and see it um but I, I, when that movie was said, gasped and turned to my friend and was like, oh my gosh, they said Gaslight because we said that the three pillars of this series is Girl Boss, Gatekeep, and Gaslight of I Love Lucy. So the fact that she said, don't gaslight me, just really uh, tickled me. And it doesn't exactly fit with the time, but I, I, I interpret it as if someone would say like, they're using the title as a verb. I know people are like, but no one did it back then. I'm like, okay, well, that's what I'm just saying. You know, she's like, don't, don't eat, pray, love me. You know, <laughs> don't, don't, I can't even think of other movies. Don't skyfall me. Those don't really make sense, but that's what I'm thinking. Lucille Ball was not an idiot. That's what I'm thinking. She was saying like, I, mm -hmm. they obviously saw the movie. Don't be like that guy to me. She didn't say gaslighting. I don't know, but okay, I... that, that's an interesting, uh, yeah, an interesting theory. My mine was that I I just assumed it was something that maybe not a lot of people said back then, but it was sort of maybe he kept it in. He was like, well, you know, she's she's an intellectual, and like a lot of this movie is about how she wasn't this character. Like this character was like they even say in the movie like infantilized, and you know, kind of stressing the. The conflict of that and why she chose to do this persona to be funny but like using language like this to be like oh this is something that like people on like the coasts you know like la like mm -hmm. th this was like a thing it just wasn't common knowledge back then but well, I i'm kind of that's a headcanon thing uh what, what did you think will well i believe um there is actually an episode of i love lucy where she watches gaslight and she like tries to gaslight mr cleaver i could be totally off base but i've heard this and I guess the chair. Can I recommend that... to you a YouTube channel where they're actually going oh, yeah, through yeah, yeah. the entire series <laughs> yeah. and you might be able to get even more contacts on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing you haven't watched that episode yet. I think that's later in the series. Like, I think it's like season five or something. If I'm upset. yes, it's it's a little bit later, but we will get there eventually. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the terrible read is that he's referencing that. But I'm guessing if I were to to make an assumption, I'm guessing Aaron Sorkin said that like he wrote that down. He was like, I don't know if that quite fits, and then he saw. When Gaslight came out, it's like he shrugged his shoulders, like yeah, yeah like I, talked I, himself I, into it. Right? He's like, it, 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 you know, they probably, they yeah, probably said yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I would say even even if it's like technically accurate, I don't think it's executed quite well because it does distract. You know, it, it is it does take you out of the time period because it is such a more modern phenomenon. Even if it was something that was a thing back then, it, it stopped being, and so it, I don't know. That's one of those things that uh, you know could use studio note most likely. Uh, I, I was going to say, I, I didn't mention this before, but I Love Lucy. I loved I Love Lucy when I was a kid. Like, we watched this show all the time when I was growing up. I, I don't think I've seen every single episode because there, there are a lot of episodes. But I know I've seen, like, all of the episodes where the kid is in it. Because I think, like, those are the later ones. Those are the ones that, like, I liked the most because I was a little boy. You know what I mean? And I think that uh, this show was like a big deal in my household in particular because my parents always found it so cool that it literally was like this. They say in this movie, like all American woman, right, quote unquote, but in a public marriage with a white Hispanic man, a white Latino man. And I don't know, there, there was something kind of like, uh, you know, monumental about that. I like how the movie kind of touches on that. It gets into it a bit, but it doesn't make it the whole thing with this. Uh, and I know I know some people are saying there's too much going on in this movie. Like they're saying like, OK, you know, the, 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 pick a lane. Right. You have the communist stuff where she gets accused of being a communist. That's the inciting incident. They're not sure if this could be their last episode because they might just get canceled. Also, she's pregnant. Also, uh, the person, uh, Ethel. Uh, played by I, f- I forget who plays Ethel the the actor, but she she's having a beef, and then also is Desi cheating on Lucy? Like all these things are crammed into it, and I've seen some people be like it's too much. It's you know Sorkin's trying to you know fit too many things into this movie, but for me it's stressed like it got it got across like how difficult it was making the show that this was like probably the the hardest week of them making it, but a nice little like encapsulation of the challenges that they had to face because you could easily do like a whole movie about the first episode that they do not knowing that it's going to be you know the one of the most successful tv shows of all time so i don't know i thought that was interesting and i kind of ate the movie up but uh, and i know you probably you probably have your own baggage with i love lucy and yeah i was just going <clears throat> to say at first i wasn't sure if you're talking about vivian vance or nina um Arianda playing Vivian Vance, but I agree Nina that Arianda. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there. Was I was trying to. Lot... I was trying to remember the name of the actor who plays the actor who plays Ethel. Yeah, <laughs> who plays Ethel? There was a lot going on, and I, I wish almost that you're even you saying right now it could have been about the very first episode of I Love Lucy. It um, all, I don't want to say it almost is. I'm there is just you know. With those flashbacks, we see so much leading up to how they got to where they are. And I almost wish that that could have been the movie. It could have been becoming the Ricardos and it would have been more of just what's in the flashbacks and leading up to the initial reception and things like that. It might not have been as, um, it might not have had as much conflict and as yeah. this, but I think this was I, the better choice. Yes. I, I also like 
this hectic week. I just wish that it was more focused at times and we, and we didn't need to see, uh, I feel like as many flashbacks or like I said, the, the duration of the flashbacks was very long comparatively to the quote unquote present day part of it. Uh, I would, I would have maybe cut like not cut them entirely, but maybe edited them down. Cause I enjoyed a lot of the flashbacks. I think a lot, like the, some of the flashbacks have really good context better than the documentary stuff, because it was kind of nice to go back and see, okay, here's how they met. Here's, here's some, you know, incidents involving like things that explain why there's like this rift in the present. But I do agree that like some of them go on too long and they're not edited and paced super well. Um, I, I think Alan Baumgarten did the editing for this movie. And I don't know. I, th- I think that they maybe were trying to, I, I don't know, they keep keep the whole thing under a certain runtime, but then they just went over the runtime and didn't care. Maybe. I don't know. What do you <laughs> think, Well, Well, I think that comes down to my biggest issue with the movie, which is that I think it's not so much the editing, but the direction from Aaron Sorkin. I think he he's getting weirdly worse as a director, I think, because I thought Molly's game, like it wasn't like he did an amazing job, but it's like, okay, there's a little bit of flair here. You can see the inspiration trial Chicago seven, like it's pretty stagey, but it's based on a Broadway show. So you, you kind of forgive it because like you said, the ensemble's there. And, but this one, like the script has some good beats. Like it's clear that like Sorkin's pretty inspired as far as like, he has the TV experience working on, you know, West wing and the newsroom and all this stuff. He has this, like kind of insider info but his directing style saps all the like suspense or like this kind of adrenaline that's supposed to be building up because he doesn't really have any flair or any uh good perception of like how like to build momentum in a scene or how to have like a lot of like spice i think that would be fine because it's like it's supposed to be you know an amazon prime exclusive so i think a lot of people are just going to watch this at home and not be bothered by that but i think as far as making a film about like all these conflicting efforts and capturing that sense of like you know we kind of have to do this balancing act like it's so stressful what's happening right now i just don't think sorkin's quite adept enough as a director to really pull off that fine balance i think as a screenwriter like he can work with somebody like david fincher or like bennett miller like he did for moneyball or rob reiner with a few good men or as you mentioned danny boyle with steve jobs and i think they have enough style or uh you know have enough of a visual sense to kind of communicate that stuff really well but Sorkin, because I guess he's still a little green at the job, he is, I, th- I think he ultimately undermines what he's doing well with this screenplay. I agree with you 100%. I think that's what it is. I think that the script here is great, in my opinion. I, I actually think I think the script and the performances are really good. But it's like you said, I think that he's a bit precious with his script. He doesn't know. I don't think he has the experience and the, the tenacity to like really bring his scripts down i bet you if he directed somebody else's screenplay a lot of these problems wouldn't be here but i don't think he would ever do that because he's known for his screenplays it's you know his writing is so unique and so different we did our whole you know sorkin parody last year right so i think that there is something to be said about him going back to the old model i don't know why he feels like he has to direct his his stuff now because it's not that he's a terrible director like in the small details or even in the big picture it's just at least in the big picture of like what this movie should be but i guess that has more to do with the script it just comes down to like when he's actually taking his script and bringing it to film i don't know finding ways to you know cut the right corners having the right discernment being able to make calls like that and like really steer the ship in a way that people you know like the editors like the you know people doing all the production design can like create something a bit more cohesive Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's like 
it's not incompetent decisions. They're just kind of boring and safe ones. It feels like yeah. a movie like this needs something a little bit riskier, a little bit more exciting to justify, you know, bringing this classic sitcom to life and showing it in a new way. It just seems like he just doesn't really have that vision for the project as a director to really pull off that that idea. Now, for me, this is what keeps the movie from being like awesome, but I still really liked it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I I agree with what y'all just said. And I also kind of had the question, like, why did he want to make this? Why did he want to write this? Aside from me and Maddie have theorized that, like, it was the big reveal at the end with napkins. I don't know if that's too spoilery, but... Uh, it's, we we feel like he almost like had that idea, wrote that scene, and then just had to like backtrack and go back and try and write the rest of it to make it so lead up to that part. And I think it he did an okay job. It was watchable. It was mostly you know enjoyable. But I I I don't know like why this was made. And I I mean art for the sake of art, sure. But to to bring I Love Lucy back or to try to sort of with this. It was just, um, I don't want to say confusing, but I just want to know like what other, if there were any other big motivating factors for him to write and direct this movie, especially without all the sizzle, as we've kind of been saying, mm -hmm. there's not much sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder if you literally were just like sat down and was like, what if I could fit more Oscar reels than any other movie in history because mm. i definitely got that feeling when i was watching this there were so many things i was like is this the oscar reel for nicole kidman right. oh no it's probably this one. Oh no you know what this is jk simmons supporting one and then yeah i just feel like the better version of this would have been like a two-part hbo miniseries where like the first episode is like that ticking clock thing where they have to get this episode out in a week and you have that building like dread of like can lucille can I pull this off can like she get all these like things right and then at the end you reveal like oh now she's uh an alleged communist and then the second half you get like the kind of flashbacks and you build more on the like balance between her work life and her real life and you get that and i feel like that would have maybe it would have been easier to forgive the shortcomings that sorkin has as a director if it was just on tv you could kind of you know build the characters a little bit more and, and expand on a lot of these ideas that feel somewhat shortchanged in a feature film but yeah i don't know it just it feels like there's an interesting idea here by Ruth anna it's just like i don't quite know what sorkin really wanted to take out of the story i don't even get the sense that he's like a, a i love lucy fan there's like kind of a weird cynicism to the the way he perceives the show or how he perceives you think the it was cynicism? Process. i think so i don't think of cynicism I think he respects it quite. I think he sees like the cold mechanical part of it, but then uses this movie to show like, well, yeah, like it, they, they got it down to a science, but there was a passion, particularly from Lucy in like really like getting the comedy right. I know like the motivation was like, we got to get the comedy right for this last episode, but I, did, I didn't I get that think, at all. I just think he's cynical about comedy. Maybe that's more accurate because like we've seen that show that he did uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip where he's like, you know, doing like the behind the scenes of SNL and stuff. And from what little I've seen of that show, it's like he just seems to have like see like little value for comedy or like the, the value no, sees in comedy i disagree like, okay i think he's saying comedy is a lot harder than people think and i think he i think he's like purposely calling out like people who are bad at it and like showing that like you can do really good comedy but you know it, it's got to come from somebody who really respects it I, I i don't know i don't see what you're saying well well i just think i'm if that's the case i feel like he's not properly communicating it at least these two projects like i think he's 
he has that idea down pat but it's a lot of like monologuing and it's a lot of just like telling as opposed to showing and i feel like maybe i don't know maybe it's just not uh productive for his style or something like he can be a very what, funny what writer think? anna what do you think because i think we're having one of our classic you know lucy and desi fights right now and uh, <laughs> yeah we need a, so a sober I think, perspective i think perhaps uh each of you is like a little bit right I'm not entirely sure what Aaron Sorkin's opinion on comedy is. And I think I'm leaning more with John that it's probably, I don't, I don't know about calling out, but saying, you know, comedy is hard. Even this physical slapstick comedy that Lucia is known for and famous for and is is actually like way more, there was way more thought put into it. Lucio Ball was meticulous about it. There was effort. There was, it was all precise, even though it's a, kind of broad physical like comedy and that it's it's way more yeah difficult than people think and I also think that Will is kind of right that there is something a little bit off though because he is in this same movie saying that you know okay Lucille Ball was like super serious about it they all came the Jess and Bob and Madeline, they all wrote it you know this way but at the same time they're like well Lucy is a baby and that's why people like her. And so it's a weird, I feel like, I don't want to say dichotomy or dynamic, but it's it's a little bit of both where it's like, well, are you saying that this was funny or are you saying that this was for babies and this is dumb? And I think perhaps it's a little more like on that it's hard, it's serious, it's more than people think it is side, but there were times where it was like, well, why would you offend Lucy in the same breath that you're trying to compliment her? Um, so I, I think it's a little, again, I, d I don't know why it got so, I don't want to, I don't know if convoluted is the right word, but some things got twisted around or mixed up somewhere along the line where it's like, well, what is the message? What are you trying to say? I think, yeah. I think that's probably, that's getting into it. What I think I like the most about the movie is that it, I think it is both. I think it is sort of like, the a lot of this movie is about you know the struggle that lucille ball had elevating the comedy in this above like what you're saying where like yes yeah, cbs and these people like they they didn't have the same vision of like no we can we can have a baby on the show and you know we can do comedy that is very funny that shows lucy as like this you know strong like she gets in she gets into wisecracking situations and all of that but like there is a version of the show that does not work that leans way too hard into that side of comedy that i do think that he's probably pretty cynical about and and rightfully so yeah i mean it seems like i guess more broadly speaking he's against the idea of mediocrity in that like because you see i love lucy parodied and referenced so much you you kind of like assume the formula and i guess to what you're both are saying like his credit like he's try to say like no there's like a very precise formula like it's, like, it's not just like you, can, you have to do this and this and this and you have a good episode of I Love Lucy. Like there's a lot of components in place to make this work as it does and work as successfully as it has for so many years. And I can mm -hmm. respect that. But I also just feel like kind of going back to what I said before, I just don't think Sorkin is super adept as a director to really pull off that balance or really showcase that tenacity. It just seems like he makes a lot of kind of like simple and basic choices as a director and even sometimes as a screenwriter. And I feel like that undermines some of the points he's trying to make. Yeah, I guess that's where I disagree. I think he does a pretty good job at it because I, I think that he, to me, what he gets across is that there are easy laughs and there are 
good laughs, you know, like there's a way to just make people laugh, like in a very easy, like manufactured way. It's not going to last the test of time, but that wasn't this show really. Like it was a little bit of this show because they had, it wasn't a perfect one, but you know, I think that this movie gets across all the really good stuff about I love Lucy, particularly how forward thinking it was. The fact that they shot it on film instead of like through a, you know, through a picture of something in order for it to like really be a show that you can still watch years later and like the detail it's like very crisp it's very easy to rewatch and all of that so i don't know that was my takeaway at least uh what about you anna right or that kind of almost leads me back to what i forget i forget which one of you said it but is he a fan because of i love lucy i mean because uh there were just certain inconsistencies i feel like this is a good point for me to jump in and say this is where it went wrong from the actual show standpoint though like so fred and ethel fight is the episode that they were making and they're saying it's season two episode, I don't know, six or something. I think they said episode four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, it was no. season one, episode 22. Right. It's very strange. Yeah. Yes. And at the, towards the end, um, before the big climactic moment, Lucy and, uh, Jess were talking and I forget what they said, but Lucy it's like, oh, that's the best thing you've ever written. And Lucy goes, no, that was Vitamina Vegemin. That's episode 30 of season one. So it would not have even taken place. They would not have shot it. Maybe, I, I doubt they would have even uh, had it written and done a table read of it before this episode would have occurred. And yes, if it was season two, then it would have, because that was season 30 of episode one. But this was episode 22 of season one. So it that made my brain like, no, 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 that's not right. And a big thing for me was that the apartment was wrong. They they did not have a window in the back of the apartment until later seasons, if at all. And I say if at all, because I don't know how much later that window gets there, because I don't know if they move into a different but almost identical apartment. But I, if you Google like I love Lucy apartment, sometimes there is a window. But as far as season one, when this episode actually occurs, and even six episodes into season two, which I have watched, there's no window back there. So that was very odd and honestly frustrating just to me, even though it really doesn't matter in terms of being the Ricardos. But I was like, so is he a fan or is he not? Because I don't know how you would mess up the actual timeline of when these things were produced and put out to the american audience so right. I, yeah uh, it was that was like annoying to me <laughs> yeah especially because these are pretty easy things that you can look up and find and fact check like it's that's not the like, thing yeah i think there are a few possibilities right i mean there's the one possibility where he didn't bother you know didn't care like somebody was like oh there wasn't a window there and he's just like who cares you know maybe that maybe that's uh you know his directing style is that he just he wants it to be right for the movie he doesn't care if it's accurate to the show which i think is a little weird i think i think that is a strange thing to consider when this is a show kind of about or this is a movie about that sort of thing about getting things right so i i want to you know I'm, I'm somewhat leaning toward the explanation that He's purposely trying to make this like a very fictional, you know, I don't think he wants to like it to be all that authentic on purpose. It's kind of mysterious well, to me, but then like, why is the other documentary segments or the fake documentary? Segments? That's the thing. Even that is fake. Like they didn't really say those things. And right. it's like, I wonder if he's like the director, right? I, Cause I was curious about the director. I was like, was this the actual director? No, like this person didn't even exist. 
like they kind of did, I guess, like a composite. And so I wonder if that's the approach he's doing. This is a composite, you know, episode, a composite situation. It's not truly accurate to everything, but that's sort of the point. He's trying to fit in all of the, you know, if you don't have the window there, it doesn't really sell to you that it's I Love Lucy. And so I wonder if that was his thinking, whether or not it's the right choice personally i think that it's a distracting thing it might take away from your enjoyment of the film after the fact but i think the majority of people won't even notice these things and that's probably what he was banking on right no i entirely think that he was like no one's gonna know how could they know because who's watching every episode of i love lucy there's no youtube channel out there devoted to unveiling the <laughs> secrets of <laughs> yeah exactly so I know I'm one of probably the only people besides these Reddit I Love Lucy super fans that probably had anything to say about there's not a window back there whenever this episode is happening. And I think, oh, maybe from the, you know, production standpoint of being the Ricardos, it's another light source that looks a little more quote unquote natural that, you know, if they have the backlight from back there. But I'm like, everyone knows that this was shot in a studio. It's not, they're not trying to make it a believable household in the, in the 1950s. So that just, like I said, annoyed me, but the, uh, oh goodness, I forget what I was going to say. Um, oh yeah. But how could he, yeah, no, he thought no one was going to notice any inconsistencies. And the thing is that I just, I went back and I even looked at the episode again. It does have the so-called original beginning where she's just setting the table. She's not fussing with any flowers. So, you know, you don't know if that's true or false, whether or not there was an alternate beginning that she froze during and whatever else. But, you know, they did the Sam, Bill, Joe, uh, Pablo, uh, Juan, Pedro, Jose. Jose. I was yeah, like, yeah. I can't even think of the names they said. And then she's like, oh, yeah, it's you. And, you know, Fred and Ethel come over. And she, I don't know, because I haven't rewatched Being the Ricardos. I can't remember how accurate Ethel's dress is. It's not that, like, sexy red dress. It's definitely one that's more toned down. But, like, the costuming is exactly what Lucy and Desi are wearing. Like, the shirt, the details on the pockets, like, the breast pockets are the exact same the piano bench little elbowing thing i only ethel falls off of it in the episode instead of both of them at the same time but you know there's there's the 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 mm-hmm. one point when they're both in one coat with one arm in the sleeve you know all of that is accurate in there so i'm like again why did you choose certain details to keep and other ones to, why were they changed and especially yeah. if you think no one's going to know well probably not then yeah i probably nobody really noticed except for me but for me i was like aaron sorkin i know you're a liar well you could be like will right and then like watch the episode after i was curious about watching the episode after so then yeah yeah, you people will know if they check it out right after right yeah because i was i mean i'm glad you brought that up because i was waiting for that moment because in this movie it's like that's like the like key ingredient like that's like the thing that's supposed to click the episode into place so i was waiting for that moment where like they both fall off the bench and i was like oh i guess is that like a later episode or is that just not happen at all? I just thought that was a very odd choice to not have that scene in the film or not, not that, you know, make that scene implying right, that was in right. the episode. And, yeah. I don't know uh, if you, if there was supposed to be some sort of like, Oh, and they ended up not even keeping that into the show after all. So it's like, well, even the things that she tried to do to make it better, the, yeah. you know, CBS just like what continues to muck it up. 
Right. Because there's that whole thing with the flowers where like she was like really yeah. adamant about the flowers. And it's like they kind of had to compromise with that. So I don't know. I mean, maybe. But I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, I don't know if that's just giving Sorkin too much credit for, you know, making it something that. Be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a weird thing is that like I feel like it's a, like we said before, it's like a movie that's so concentrated on the details. But then from a production standpoint, it seems like it, it's pretty fast and loose with the facts. So and that's why I think, yeah. you know, to what we've been saying, I think that a, a stronger director could have seen this and made a better decision on like, OK, look, we've got some of these details, like get these details right, like or at least have like a point of view as to why are we saying this is in season two? Like, what is even the point of that? You know, because if the idea is that the, the only thing I can think of is that they want it to make they want to make it seem like it's further along in the show than it is so that they can sell this idea that the show is at its peak. If that you know what I mean? Like, I think if you if you say that it's season one, episode 22, people are like, oh, this is the very beginning of I Love Lucy when it I guess it kind of was, but they want this movie to I think Sorkin also wants this to be a movie about the success of I Love Lucy. So you can't really do both. Right. Or I don't know if it was to try and tie in the pregnancy timeline. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know if that happens later, apparently. Like that was like a few years after they filmed this episode. Right. I think that yes. it's a composite. I think that they're just try I think he's trying to like bring it all into one thing and just, you know, be like, that's what we're doing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But then why not just pick a different episode of the show? Because I think they, I think they cared about the communist thing being accurate, or they, they had to pick later. one thing being accurate, right? I think, right? Because I think the communist accusations came later, like towards the end of the show. I could be mistaken though, but I thought that was later in the run. Oh, I thought they did get that one thing right, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm not sure on that part because that is not actually in I Love Lucy, and usually I don't have the like background of what was happening that week when the production was going on. But let's I, just assume it's all incorrect. <laughs> I, kind of. That's what I feel like. I I can't even be sure that that is the reason why they chose this episode. But again, it's not season two. Like it just rounds back to that that it's not even the right thing and. It could have been season two where they even feature a flash forward to when they go to the grape stomping and that hasn't happened yet. And it's like what that is like Lucy's um, Lucy directing almost or she's she's calling the shots. But I'm and I'm like, OK, they wanted to bring in, you know, an, an iconic episode to have people be like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme, you know, pointing at the screen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I remember watching that at grandma's like, you know, I, and I get that. So but that also isn't in season two, like at all, period, that they take a trip to Italy, if that's the real title of the episode. But the other titles that were featured in the in being the Ricardos were the actual titles of the episodes. But. I, so it's 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 at least though I could something. see that being a thing where they're just like oh we, let's do the Italy episode later. I mean even though I don't I doubt that would even be true. Like I guess I don't know I could see them try to like wriggle their way out of it. But uh, I, so I, I see your point. Up. Yeah, I looked it up. Um, this episode was filmed in 1952. Um, the child was born in 1953, and the accusations it was a long came out pregnancy and, will. And the accusations <laughs> came out in September of 1953. Or actually no, sorry the. You know, that came out, yeah, in 1953. And then the stuff that happens in the last act of the accusations against Desi came out in 1955. So timelines right. okay. all over the place. Yeah. Which, again, I think that for me at least, and I understand that it's not going to do this for everybody. It, for me, it serves the purposes of this movie being more watchable than it would be otherwise if you try to 
do all these things separately. And again, it's something that I do like about the movie is that it does bring in, it, I do feel like I got a really good composite, like I said before, of all of these different stresses. Yes, it's fictional. Yes, it's kind of like piling on in a way that isn't true to life. But I do think it gets the spirit of what it was like making the show across, at least for me. So I think that's why I enjoyed it. Uh, and I enjoyed this discussion. I feel like this was really cool. I, I'm a little sad that I'm the one who likes it the most. Um, but it, it definitely doesn't sound like you two like hated it or anything like that. It's obviously, you have some pretty sharp criticisms of this movie and uh, deservedly so. Yeah, I don't hate it by a long shot, and it is definitely watchable and decently enjoyable, especially if you don't have this I Love Lucy knowledge in your brain that would just go off at any slight inaccurate right. reference i think a lot of people are going to be like probably like people like me were just like we watched it when we were younger and then like so now it's a movie about it. it's like oh yeah i kind of vaguely remember this but yeah they can get away with it right if it's a vague memory i think it it works perfectly and it's still it's it's definitely watchable enjoyable and if you have you know prime i mean why not put it on and check it out if you're even remotely interested i i would say you know anyone can do that maybe not run out to a theater if it's even still in theaters. Yeah. It's it's very accessible in that way. Yeah. And I don't think it's a big, like big screen kind of movie. So I think that's all pretty, pretty fair. Yeah. I mean, I think Amazon, per Amazon prime is kind of perfect for a movie like this. Cause you know, it's pretty easy to watch and you can kind of like come in and out of it pretty easily and, and not miss anything super major. Yeah. And uh, compared to Netflix too, like it has the x-ray thing, which is really handy for like, mm -hmm you know, wait a minute, that's not right. the real documentary. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's very accurate. Oh, you could just check your phone. It's a little bit easier to do that at home than at the theater. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess for me, it's it's like fine. It's it's not something I'm like mad I saw or anything. I, I think I would have preferred if I saw it on Amazon Prime as opposed to seeing it in theaters because I thought we were recording this a little bit earlier. <laughs> um but yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, I, I, it's a type of film that I feel like I'm not going to be reflecting on too much. And like we said before, I feel like if you're a fan of I Love Lucy, you'll probably have more criticisms than not as far as like what they cherry pick and what they choose to recreate and what they take out. But it's not like uh, it's not a terrible film or anything. It just I kind of wish it was just a little bit better. Understandable, understandable. Um, yeah, it's it's nowhere near like one of my favorite films of the year, and you know I'm kind of looking at some of the awards it's been pushed up for, and you know I, I gotta say like. I like Nicole Kidman in this movie. I don't think she's the best actress of the year for this movie. It's a good performance, and I think that it's pretty good. Uh, and I also don't think J.K. Simmons is all that great in this movie. Like, oh, I'm I disagree. I thought that, he was good. I think uh, he's good. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's the best supporting actor, you know, yeah, at the same level of, you know, right. some of the other stuff we could we could see this year. So mm -hmm. if, if there was one award that I think this movie maybe deserves, like, an award for, I, I don't think I would give it to original screenplay, but... I think it is a pretty good screenplay. Like that one's more understandable to me, I guess. I mean, I'd be fine with Nina Ardina. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right. Getting um, Ar Arianda. Arianda, sorry. Uh, I'd, I'd be fine. Or yeah, Vivian. I mean, I think just because like she seems like the type of actress who's been doing consistently good work, but just hasn't really gotten recognition for it. Yeah, so. Goliath, right? Uh, yeah, I think she's on that. I, I haven't watched that show, but I think that's like yeah, that's like her big thing. And then yeah, okay. she's been in smaller things too. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like she was like in Richard Jewell a few years ago, yeah, yeah. a few other things. But like, yeah, she's like one of those actresses that I think 
does consistently good work, but people don't really remember like, oh, like her performance in that film. Like she compliments the film, but you, you don't think about her performance. So if, you know, if this was able to get a leg up for her and give her some more recognition and praise, I'd be fine with that. But otherwise, I don't think any of these performances really need to get awards consideration. Yeah, I agree. I think Nina is probably, I don't want to say the standout, but as far as what I've read on the relationship between Vivian Vance and Lucille Ball and how it was portrayed, I think she did an absolutely fantastic job playing that second banana. And, and you know, she's an actress and she's a woman too. And it, it just, I think she did a brilliant job. And I also could see this getting nominated for more of the artistic categories like hair and makeup or costuming because yeah, they are so iconic with the, the hair and makeup and costuming. Like I said, uh, the details in the episode co- costuming were exact. And there was like... I loved the little kind of pants and vest with the blouse that Lucy wore around the studio. Uh, I think that fit her character perfectly. And um, just because it also is like a period piece, I don't want to say that big awards favor period pieces for costuming, but fantasy and period pieces usually take those types of awards. Uh, So I could definitely foresee some nominations there, if anything. But I I kind of agree, Nicole and Javier really shouldn't. Um, even J.K. Simmons, we've seen much better from him from other roles in the past. I don't think is, this is at that caliber to be nominated for supporting actor, although he did really hit some of the heartfelt emotional beats that were in the towards the end of the movie. Yeah, especially the scene in the bar, I think, was probably my favorite with him. And yeah, yeah he's, he's good throughout, for sure. Uh, I was also going to shout out, I really like Tony Hale in this. I, I thought that he, you know, I don't know, just is like, it's a stereotypical character, the exasperated producer, but they, they have some fun with that toward the end between him and Nicole Kidman that I thought was really cool to see. And I like Aaliyah Shawkat in this, uh, you know, maybe from Arrested Development. So she yeah, plays like Madeline. Uh, it's a little Arrested Development reunion. It is right yeah. with her and Tony Hale. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of nice. And I, I think she's very good in here. She has some fun, like, uh, you know, bantering with Jake Lacey that makes for some of the some of the film's lighter moments. So and then also if there could be an award for best rendition of Cuban Pete, uh, I could see this getting a nomination. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. If we get to see Javier Bardem perform Cuban Pete at the Oscars, I'd be cool with that for sure. He drank in that song. I mean, he was having fun. <laughs> Yeah, they were just like, okay, Javier, you know, you can just play Cuban P, you know, you, we only yeah. need you at like a six or a seven. He comes out 15. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, it's just, you know, kind of a transitional scene. We're just a little bit fun. Just like, all right, yeah, I'm yeah. going to give it everything I got. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he really, really brought it there. And anyway, that was fun to see. Let's wrap things up with the Rotten Tomatoes game. Now, Anna, I don't know if you know the rules of this game. We're about to explain it. Now, the Rotten Tomatoes game is simple. We're, we're going to guess, or really will usually guess, because I'm looking at it, the Rotten Tomatoes score. You get a couple of hints, like how many reviews have been counted and everything like that. It's obviously a score out of 100. And then you guess that, you guess the audience score, and you guess the cinema score. Although I don't think they have a cinema score for this one. Um, so we could, we'll just be doing the Rotten Tomatoes aspect of it. Any questions? No, I'm ready to play. All right. I think, uh, you know, it depends on what kind of Will Ashen you're going to get. Sometimes he's spot on. He can't be stopped. Other times, I don't know. It's like, yeah, he's just ready for the show to end or something. He's just like, I'll just guess whatever. Uh, I'm just kidding. Well, you always bring it your all. 
What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is for being the Ricardos? We're start, we'll start with you, Will Ashton. We have 211 reviews counted. Okay. So, what, yeah, what do you, where do you think the tomato meter is at? Um, I think it's going to be high. I don't think it's going to be 90% high, but I could see it being higher than 80 or like 78 or something like that. So I'm going to guess 84%. Okay, Will guesses 84%. Percent, Anna. What about you? Where do you think this one's at? So I feel like I've been seeing promotional material for this uh, for its release on Prime, saying that it was reasonably high. I'm not sure if it quite cracked the 90s either, but just to distance myself from Will, I will put it up there and I will say 92. Okay, so you say 92. You both are quite far away from it. It's Man. 69%. Wow. Nice. Yeah, there we go. Right. Yeah, I was wondering who was going to say it first. Uh, yeah, sure. 69%. I, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting this to be in the 70s, to be honest. Um, I wasn't yeah. expecting 80s, uh, just because I do think that people are kind of rebelling against this movie and how... I oh guess. yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing some some real strong negative negativity on my timeline. So, but you know that is just my timeline. Yeah, I just is I it, feel like most like kind of general like Midwest critics would be like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like nothing against them or their opinion, just kind of just being like, yeah, you know, like it's fine. Like I just thought like a lot of those opinions would sneak its way to make it like eighty percent. Yeah, totally understandable. Uh, but what about the audience score? That's always interesting, isn't it? Uh, now we have a hundred plus verified ratings, which. I think that's enough to get a nice little sample here. What do you think the audience score is? And this time we'll start with you, Anna. So I feel like the audience score is always less than the Rotten Tomatoes score, unless it's like a Marvel movie. Nothing against Marvel movies, just saw Spider-Man. But I'm going to put this at like 54%. Okay, 54 And what about you, Will? Um, I imagine audiences are going to be favorable, maybe not overwhelmingly so. Um, I'm going to go 10 notches lower than I went last time and say 74%. Ooh, Will, you are one off. Very close. Wow. 73%. Wow. All right. Well done. And, uh, you know, you got, you got it eventually, but it's, that's the game, isn't it? Um, so that's being the Ricardos. Yeah. Very, I guess, uh, audiences and critics aren't that far apart on this one. And I wonder if it's because maybe there are more, I love Lucy fans than, than we thought. Who you know? Maybe this is a bigger subreddit than we imagined, and uh, yeah. Although I guess that wouldn't be the case. Then it would be like a zero percent or something. But all right, that is our review of being the Ricardos. As we mentioned, you can watch it in limited release, and you could also check it out on Amazon Prime Video, which is what I did. And it is. Let's look at the length. Oh, running time is pretty long. One hundred and thirty-one minutes. I actually thought it felt longer. I thought it was like two and a half hours. But nope, it's two hours and ten minutes. So check it out if you are interested. And thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to plug? I know we're plugging your YouTube channel, but uh, any any final words with us? Well, thank you for having me on Cinemaholics. I would love to come back any other time. Will thinks that I need to be on. And yeah, I he's your biggest love... advocate. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I would love for people to check out. I love bananas over on our YouTube channel, Silly Sickos. We also stream on twitch.tv slash silly sickos. So if you ever want to come hang out, we're online terminally. So definitely do that thanks for having me yeah <laughs> thank you again um, for being on it was really awesome having you yeah absolutely um i was going to say you have a spoiler review as well if you want to promote that too 
Yes, we did. We did do a spoiler review video of being the Ricardos that you can see on our channel. Perfect. All right. Yeah, check that because we didn't get into spoilers and there's some spoilers we could certainly touch on. But for now, we're going to we're going to say goodbye. Have a wonderful holiday. And I guess this is it from us until we talk about Matrix Resurrections next time on the show. Uh, I assume we'll also be talking about the Kingsman, maybe seeing to a few other things. We'll find out. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.